0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson here. As you can tell, seasonal allergies are full in effect, and they are kicking my... Can we say ass on this podcast? I'm just going to go ahead and say ass. Is that okay? Brunts will listen to this at some point, but it's actually just Brian Christofferson here. Brian, are you okay with that use of pay channel language?
1: I would uh, I would prefer uh, Heine or Tukis.
0: Not much of a Tucas guy. Isn't tuchus,
1: Isn't Tukas a substitution for butt or am I wrong on that? Tuchus? Get your get your Tukas in gear or something? I don't know. I'd have to uh, look that up.
0: I that would be a, a question better served for like a grandma, I feel like.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully it means what I think it means and not something completely different, because you don't want to be wrong anymore on stuff like that. But I, I think that's what it means.
0: All right. Well, we'll go with you on it. Uh, are, are you? Do you get allergies, or is this just am I suffering alone over here?
1: Well, you're not alone. I know that you have a fraternity of people in this world that, that have that same uh, affliction. I don't get it too bad. Um, so no, I, I can't relate to you on that subject that's one of the that's one of the few things I have going for me I guess you Man, know that
0: I I used to never have an issue with it and then the older I've gotten the more prominent it feels like it is at this point in time but we sold your uh, do you have any early March madness thoughts that you want to put out in the ether
1: uh, I don't I, I thought it, it no it started the tournament started strong I felt like And there was like the middle of it, the middle two days, I was sort of like, all right, this is picking up steam. And Monday was just a rough day. It wasn't interesting. Nothing. The games kind of all stunk. It felt like, uh, you know, and so it was hard to I don't know. I had had trouble kind of staying as fired up about it. But uh, the schedule's interesting this year with how they're doing it with COVID. Do you prefer the old schedule or the new schedule?
0: I probably prefer the old schedule because that's just kind of what I'm used to. And because the Monday games were so not interesting for the most part. Yeah. Um, I do. It, it was nice. Like Friday felt like very normal to me, if that makes sense. You had those, you had those like 11 a.m. starts, Florida and Virginia Tech went into overtime right away. You were getting the the good games, the upsets, kind of everyone in the country seemingly participating and in reacting to everything as it's going on, multiple games being close and late, the need for multiple TVs. Like it it, Friday felt the most normal that March Madness ever could. And that's saying a lot, given that they're all in one city, that they have sparse attendance that, you know, one team had to drop out on Saturday night. But um, Friday, Friday felt like the tournament normally does to me. And then it kind of just all went downhill after that. Though Sunday Sunday had some good games. There was some weird results in there, and the games were really entertaining. But it just felt like the Friday-Sunday matchups played out for much better television than the Saturday and the Monday ones. But I also feel like your, your best teams are largely in that Saturday-Monday group going forward.
1: You got a lot of Sister Jean shots. You got a lot of Mick and dad shots.
0: Yeah. We're going to line up. That's going to be your your national title.
1: You think so? Yeah, that's the storyline. That's I do believe in sports storylines sometimes. Like, I think sort of sometimes there's these things, that like you see them in the air, like it's perfect for the cameraman. It's like the perfect shot that they're going to take us with all the way to the finish line. And so some it does seem like sometimes it works out that way in sports, although that would be uh, one sort of ridiculous uh, Final Four game, uh, UCLA and Loyola.
0: Yeah, I uh
1: are they in the same region? I can't even
0: remember. No, they're 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 across the bracket from each other. It, it would work out. I I will say the one thing that did get a little bit old was because there's not that many fans there. The the tight close-ups of the coach's family over and over and over and over um did get a little old, but you can only do so much. And I again, like I'm I'm happy it's back. I'm certainly going to be looking forward to Sweet 16 and the elite eight coming up here this weekend as well. It does really feel like it is Gonzaga and everyone else. Um, but we will see if, uh, if it plays out that way because sometimes, you know, this tournament when you're the the clear number one team, it's not like it's any easier for you than it is for anybody else.
1: Yeah. My favorite moment, I guess, would be when the guy from Abilene Christian, who was like a 52% free throw shooter, went up there and just knocked him down with a second left to knock off Texas. I enjoyed
0: that. It was not a great moment for me from a fighting oh, point, But it is funny that in multiple times you saw bad free throw shooting guys knock down these key shots and then other guys that were like 88%, it's just like that's when they chose to, not chose to miss, but that's when the miss occurred. Um, and so it's just, uh, it's always kind of fascinating how it plays out drama wise. All right. Well, let's move from one renowned sporting event in March to another pro day. What did you learn? You were over there on Tuesday. It was like an, uh, you know, you, you gotta go to pro day last year. It was like the last event you got to cover before the world shut down, I think. And then, uh, you were at pro day again today.
1: Yeah, not, this, th- this felt a lot better. Uh, last year, everything was falling apart and you knew it when we when I was at pro day, um, it was this just odd thing. Like I'm not going to be around here for a while. That was the first time I was back in Hawks championship center. I'm pretty sure of this since last year. So it, it, it was, it was kind of cool and weird to be back, uh, inside there. There were five former Huskers who worked out. So that's a smaller group than usual, uh, but it's, it was an intriguing group. Like everybody involved actually has a shot to like at least earn a free agency deal as opposed to some years. I don't want to name names, but there'll be some guy you know participating, and you're like, it's just not gonna happen, man. you know you kind of know it before right. he even goes out there. Uh, I guess the headliner is DiCaprio Boodle, uh, just because he said, he told us on Monday, a day before, I'm going to run in the four threes. That's, that's what my plan. And then he did it. He backed it up with a 4.38 and had a 36 and a half inch vert Uh, was pretty good in the ball drills that I saw. uh, So that I, I think he, you know, whenever a guy runs in the four threes, he he'll get people's notice. And, you know, some people wonder about DiCaprio's size, I suppose. Um, And he didn't have a lot of interceptions, but he also does have good film out there of, of, locking down some really good wide receivers. Like he shut down LaVisca Chenault for a Saturday and he's had games like that where he's taken really good guys out of the equation. So, you know, he did all he could do. That's all. I mean, I, whatever they think from now on, he went out there on this day when there was an opportunity and he grabbed it. And so I, so I really respect that performance. I thought Jack stole had a good day. He ran a 4.6040 or a r- right around there, unofficial. That's pretty good for a guy.
0: Yeah, yeah a that's man- much faster than I would have guessed for him. I would have guessed more in the 4.8 range. Not yeah, that, he you know, and, and I always kind of laugh because I laugh when other people say this, and I just did it right there. Like, Do we as a human know the difference between 4.6 and 4.8? Really?
1: No, <laughs> no. But there's a lot of people. I asked people the other day how fast they would run it, and there's there's too many people who think they could run a four six. I'll tell you that much. Um, that that probably would run a four and, might might crack five. Um, so yeah, that I mean that's a very good time, um, and he he had some other good results. He had a good broad jump and things like that. I thought Matt Farniak had a good day too. I think his vertical was over 33 inches. He had 28 on the bench, Uh, ran an okay 40 time for an old lineman. Brendan Hymas, I don't know if his stock went up or down or it's hard to say. He didn't run the 40 uh, because he had stiffness in his calf, you know, but The advantage he has that the other guys don't is he went to the senior bowl and was right in front of those NFL guys. And I have to think they put a lot more stock in that and seeing him go against good guys for a week than what he did for 30 minutes on Tuesday. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't really know that there was much. I mean, I, I. I don't know that there was much more that he could do on Tuesday. That was, if, if you liked him down in the senior bowl, you got to see more and you got to see multiple days of it. And you got to see multiple situations. You got to see game action and, and, you know, practice action. I don't know that there's much to take away from his 22 reps or his 31 inch vertical or whatever else it was that he did on Tuesday. And, and I still assume that there's going to be private workouts for these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe there's not. I guess I don't I don't follow the NFL draft enough to know. I know that private workouts weren't really a thing last year, but I, I have to assume with the loosening of restrictions that they would be uh, this upcoming year. And I, there's still the uh, the virtual combine that he's going to be part of as well, right?
1: Uh, yeah, whatever that entails, he will be. I mean, at this point, I guess handicapping it from afar. Hymas to me would maybe be a day three guy, and maybe somebody else sneaks in there. But it feels like that's sort of where it is right now with this draft class for Nebraska. Like, um, you know, may, I never know with offensive linemen. It's really hard to say because there have been guys I've watched in this program who I'll admit I didn't necessarily think were going to last or, or be in the NFL or even get a chance. And they have had more than a cup of coffee in the nfl and so i always keep that in mind like zach Sterrup's an example of a guy after his nebraska career i wouldn't have guessed that he was going to get much opportunity and to his credit he has had some opportunities nick gates is a guy who's i thought sort of stayed in place you know for the last couple years of his husker career and you know he's now a starting center um you know, quality Searles, there's guys like that who have, who have made it. So even like a Matt Farniak, if he can prove to teams that he can be a swing guard tackle guy or a guy who can, you can move around, you know how NFL teams love guys like that to have as like their seventh or eighth guy that they use when someone gets injured or whatever on a given week. Um, You know, I, I don't think our buddy Jeremiah Searles would, would, debate us on that that was that was very useful to him in lasting in the league a while because he was versatile and so he could fit in different uh holes when needed and so those guys might have a shot
0: yeah I I think you kind of hit on it all it takes is just one team it, you know for Nick Gates it took the Giants it took maybe the connection that Mike Cavanaugh had out there or, or whatever it took one team and he's been able to parlay that into a nice uh NFL career and and then once you're on the radar with one team, other teams start to notice more. And so I, I think a lot of it to me is if these guys don't get drafted, we've seen so many people have success as uh, as NFL free agents. And I, I expect somebody like DiCaprio Boodle, if he's not taken at the end of the, the draft in round six or seven, I expect he's going to have, um, you know, several choices uh, when he, when he goes to decide where he wants to go for camp. And so it, it's a, it's a unique group of seniors that are going through this uh, because I, I don't know that there's a ton of them that I expect that, that are going to have NFL careers, but the ones that, that will, I like I think Brendan Hymas will be in the league for several years. I think that DiCaprio Boodle is going to have an opportunity uh, and, and I could see him making a practice squad or being a special teams player. I mean, I wouldn't discount a guy that forced his way onto the college football scene and then became a four year starter. And then on top of that, the analytics just love him. I mean, he's he's a guy that, you know, his, his size doesn't jump out to you, but everything else that he did on a football mm-hmm. tends to stand out to people who really track stuff that goes beyond just interceptions. And so um, I, I think that he's got a pretty good shot to uh, to play a little bit as well. And, and you know, Jack stole Matt Farniak. Like I said, you find the right team. Uh, it, it's going to play out well. Did those guys have anything to say when you did Zooms with them? Obviously, DiCaprio Boodle called his shot, knocked it out of the park. But was there anything you learned about Nebraska moving forward when they were talking?
1: Um, Heimis was interesting because he had that quote that was widely circulated with uh, another outlet uh, like the Spun or something like that um, about uh, sort of the culture within the program. You remember, like a couple yeah. months ago, that 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 traveled a few miles because we didn't have anything else to talk about. I think more than anything, uh, but. He sort of, I felt like he, he kind of clarified that a little bit. Um, and he said it. you know, he tried his best as a leader to, to spread. This is how it's supposed to be uh, by example. And now he said it just needs to keep spreading. Like more or less, like he believes that they are going in the right direction over there, even though people can't see it yet. So that's one of those quotes people kind of laugh at because they're like, Oh, that's great. But I I understand what he's saying. He's part of the crew that, that within those walls, there is a belief. Like if you talk to guys like Austin Allen and Garrett Nelson and some of these guys in the program right now, they believe with all their heart. And it's not just talk that they are getting closer and closer and they're about to turn this corner. Um, even though they know that there's a lot of skeptics that roll their eyes to that. And that was sort of Hymus's Take too, that that's where they're at as a program. So I felt like he added a little clarity to that sort of situation from a couple months back.
0: Yeah. I, I think that was kind of what a lot of people um, were wondering, at least from him and, and look, and, and I think it's important that the guys over there believe that they're close because you'd rather that than people saying, well, I don't know, you know, because that's that puts you in a different kind of hole altogether. And and I understand the skepticism and then even the cynicism about it, because you hear it enough. It's easy to tune it out. But uh, the, the people believe that they're close. That's certainly better than the alternative. And so obviously at some point uh, you need to see it. And we'll see if 2021 is that year. All right. We're going to take a break when we come back. We will dive into – I asked BC this before the podcast. I expect he's going to have a great answer. What is oh, yeah. he, the coach is he most looking forward to talking to here? Nebraska starts spring football in a week. And then we'll get into a little recruiting. we got some recruiting news. The state of Georgia is on fire. No, that has nothing to do with General Sherman, uh, and it has to do with Nebraska recruiting. We'll dive into that. All that and more when we return with more on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the
1: Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
0: All right, Brian, I teased it. And now you get to tell the people. I always think, you know, the, the spring is a great time to kind of learn more about the younger guys in the room and just sort of vet out which players, assistant coaches are seem to be high on. That was kind of what I learned about Markel Dismuke um, before a couple years ago when, when Travis Fisher seemed to really think he had made a big jump. You know, Miles Farmer became a big name last spring. Uh, who, which, which assistant coach are you looking forward to talking to as you try to dive a little bit deeper in this roster that outside of game days, we don't see much of. And uh, it's a big spring for a lot of guys over there.
1: This is actually pretty easy for me. It's uh, Mike Dawson.
0: Well, that's disappointing because I don't like to make easy questions for you, but I, I do like the answer because there are no shortage of options at outside linebacker.
1: Yes, there's a there's multiple reasons I say Mike Dawson. I mean Ryan Held on the offense, good answer. I'm probably I shouldn't steal uh, what could be your answer, uh, but but Mike Dawson. First off, I'm curious what Nebraska is doing with special teams. That's going to be an interesting question on Monday. Like how, okay, how is that being divvied up? And Mike Dawson has a lot of special teams background. So there's sort of that sidebar to it. Like, I'm curious what exactly if he, if he has a heavy hand in that, but also get away from that and just his position group, you know, Garrett Nelson, I thought was playing really good football the last couple of weeks Jojo Doman's back, but also then there's always the question about, is this the time where Caleb Tanner really takes off and flies? That's been sort of the question for the last three years, but then you work beyond that and you've got like Blaze Gunnerson, who I don't think was completely healthy all of last year. And now it's sort of his first go around to see if he can make a dent. Jamari Butler is sort of an interesting raw player who only played one year of high school football. And then there's all these pieces like, you wonder if are going to end up in Mike Dawson's area code. And by that, I mean, like, does Javon Wright, who's right now a safety and still meeting with Travis Fisher, does he work his way over to Dawson before this is all said and done? Does uh, Nick Henrich or any, um, you know, some of these middle linebackers, if they feel like they're loaded up there, do they work their way to the outside um with mike dawson and so there's all these like kind of moving parts that i feel like are attached to him uh he's a usually a pretty candid guy with a booming voice that i appreciate and so that's why he is my
0: answer you want a little bit of breaking news yes i don't know it's not it's, it's about 20 minutes old but the uh the minnesota vikings are resigning amir abdullah so there's your oh your, your nebraska minnesota vikings connection
1: I thought you were going to just – it was only going to be Vikings-related, and so people are going to be like, all right, have your little minute session about the Vikings. But it's good that it connects to Nebraska.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for the end. And so I, I agree with a lot of what you were saying about Mike Dawson and about that position room as a whole because there's different ways that it can go, and then there are certain guys – like I, I want to know more about Jamari Butler. He was someone that I had pegged as a sleeper. I think that his athleticism is is really good. Uh, but we've seen this before with guys that have limited experience playing football, they get to Nebraska and then it feels like everything had to be reworked and they never looked as comfortable as what it was said. They were in practice when they got to the games. And so, uh, you know, Butler is a little bit buried because they have so many other options. Then the other thing is like, what's the next level look like for Garrett Nelson? Do you think yeah. there's another level for him, Brian? Yep, I do.
1: I think he can be pretty good. Um, I, I thought his first year here, he was just running around. Yeah. And so there are some people who formed opinions based off of that. And it wasn't fair because you have to th- keep in mind, you know, had he not been allowed to play at all and was just a red shirt, you would still have a clean slate on him and you wouldn't have some of these preconceived ideas about what he can do or can't do. So I always, you got to always kind of put yourself in check and say, look, this guy was just playing when he was figuring it out as he goes and last year there was still some of that but you could tell as the season went along that he was starting to control his chaos uh he he plays with with sort of that reckless nature sometimes and that can be good and it can be bad like when he missed when he went for the kill shot against the penn state qb and missed it and it ended up being an 80-yard play but the last few weeks that it felt like he was playing with that Red Bull energy, but it was a, it was dialed in more. And he played a great game against Rutgers, like made impactful plays on a fourth down stop, a big third down, a tracking down of a QB. He was just all over the place, and so I'm a, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what what that can be. And another guy I didn't mention within Dawson's room is Feldarius Payne. who I thought, um, you know, he kind of started off last year as sort of a third down guy. But I thought they were growing in trust in him a little bit more. And you have to remember that he sort of started here as the thought was he was going to be a defensive lineman. I think he lost some weight, if I remember his story right, maybe even due to the COVID thing. I don't want to get that completely wrong, but I feel like that's connected. And then they decided at some point, we're going to kind of work him more as an outside backer and for a guy who sort of just switched on the move like that, he actually had a pretty good rookie season, I thought. And so let's see where he goes.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good one as well. I know there's some people uh, that, that think he might have a larger role. And it's hard because they have so many bodies, and then you could end up with Nick Henrich out there or, or whoever else. And so it's, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be something where Mike Dawson, you know, what it looks like from week to week this spring and certainly in the fall, could change dramatically the answer that I might've gave to that same question, Brian, I'm curious what you think about this is Tony Tuioti, because I think you have a lot of younger defensive linemen, you know, yeah, we saw Casey Rogers, we saw Ty Robinson, but you can get beyond that too. Most I what does it look like for him? They didn't get to play Jordan Riley much. What do they want from Jordan Riley in 2021? Where does Tate Wilderman, if he's healthy, fit into things, what did they see from Marquise Black or from Nash Hutmacher? And where might those guys start to line up? And so I, I think, you know, they, they got a lot out of four guys that are all basically returning next mm-hmm. year. I'm, I want to know what the gap is between a Ty Robinson and then the next closest guy, and then, and then who might that guy be. And so I I, I really, you know, as it is with this, this team right now, there's a lot more intrigue with me about, what the next step is for the defense, because they played well last year in spurts and certain areas of that defense than than anything on offense where it's basically like the you know, the question I have and the question that everyone has is what is this going to look like and can we believe in it? And so I, I think mm-hmm. it's easier for me to dive a little bit deeper on the defensive side of the ball because we have a better understanding of what they have and maybe what's lining up behind.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty good answer. I think so, a lot of people think of me as sort of a glass half full guy a lot of times when I talk about the roster and maybe they're trending up. And I do feel that way about the D line, but to kind of even it out a little bit, I, what you were saying uh, struck a chord with me that there are four guys you could really rely on. And that was really good. Like you felt really strong about that, but I caution it a little bit because I, I want to see that. That depth bulk up a little bit. Right. They were they were very fortunate last year that everybody stayed healthy at the top end there um, and was able to play those games for them. You know, they do need Jordan Riley to be a guy who can give them good snaps. They do need, like, you know, a couple of those young players. Like you want to see a Mosai Newsome, I think, be part of the equation now. And the more I've thought about it, if the the return of Stilly, I think some people were sort of like when it happened, like, oh, they're pretty good at D-line regardless. If Stilly didn't come back, I think I think I'd be a lot more worried right now about sort of filling in that blank. And that, so that's that to me has become a bigger deal than I even thought in the moment.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I didn't think about it as much until someone clued me in on it as well. And then it's just like the injury luck they tended to have on the defensive side of the ball was really good last year. I mean, they largely had most of their key contributors healthy for those games. And and outside of Luke Reimer, there wasn't too many guys that, that had to miss time for anything. And so for, for an eight game season and a condensed season uh, you know, that was, that was fortuitous for them.
1: Yeah. Now, obviously we hit defense. there pretty hard. Um, I mean, the offensive side, I I, I, At the beginning, I was probably foolish in saying it's an obvious answer because a lot of people would say, like, Matt Lubick is your answer, you know, and I get that because it's like, what the heck does wide receiver look like as far as – like, is Levi – you could use Levi Falk as the case study almost over there. Like, right now, I would bet on the first practice he's out there with the first team, you know, because he knows what he's doing. He's a veteran. He's one of the few veterans in the room. But where is he, like, I think he's going to be part of it, but is he, like, your third guy during the middle of the season or is he, like, your sixth or seventh guy because of the, some, some of the young players have just, like, been that good and you can't keep them off the field and keep them out of the rotation? Like, he's sort of, he, he's sort of the example to me of, like, are other guys around him growing and knocking him out of snaps, which um, is maybe bad for Levi Falk but good for Nebraska football, I guess. Uh, so that, that wide receivers is, is just so, like, I don't know what to make of it yet.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and like you said, there, there could be a, a pretty big change um, as far as what it looks like week one to, to where they're at at the end of it or, or what we see on May 1st. All right, let's shift gears quickly here to recruiting. And I I do want to mention a few things. One, I've, I've written about this. You've seen it on the board. I've, I've had updates on several of these kids with the network has had updates on other ones. There was a big camp down in Atlanta, but Nebraska really hitting Georgia hard. Is that something that you've noticed Brian or, or did, did it kind of come to mind when, when I think I pointed this out, I think they've taken nine players since Scott Frost has been here from Georgia.
1: Yeah. It feels like this staff feels really comfortable there. Um, there's several coaches, I think, you can recruit it well. Obviously, we've, we've written a lot about it and talked about it. Sean Becton, I feel like, just is uh, sometimes underappreciated by the fan base on this in this staff, especially, I think, as a recruiter. And he's really good in Georgia, has a lot of good relationships there. And the thing I like is that they're heavily involved with the powerhouse programs down there now, like a Buford program where Gabe Irvin and Malik Williams came out you can, you can tell people more about who they're looking at now there, but it feels like they've, they've got a foot in the door there. And that matters, you know, like guys who are juniors or seniors in a program like that are looking at guys who like Gabe Irvin, who's like, Oh, he came through here and he's at Nebraska. And, you know, if Gabe Irvin has some success and gets on the field a little bit early, that's all the better for that cause, you know? So, Georgia is one of the best football States there is. And I think everybody realizes that now. I think there were times when it got lost because people would always talk about Florida and Texas and California. And talent-wise at the top end, Georgia does not take a back seat to those guys um, anymore, I don't think. I mean, there's, it, it's, as, it's as talent-rich per capita as any state in the country and maybe at the top.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and and I think that's why it's important. You know, if Nebraska can land a guy like an M.J. Morris as their quarterback, it's big to set up your quarterback room. But also, if you have success with a player like that and he's very visible as the quarterback for you, that's going to have a reverberating effect on how you can recruit in that state in the in the city of Atlanta. Because those guys don't end up being four-star quarterbacks, end up at those camps without making connections, without making friends, without – you know winning over some people in that area and, I, and one of the things with nebraska's lack of success and sort of lack of individual success is that it makes it harder to build off of it if nebraska football was a little bit better and cam taylor Britt was a little bit bigger of a name they'd have more success in alabama because of it if you know like it it, it stands to reason that if you can have some of these things go well for you and if if MJ Morris can be a quarterback at Nebraska and, and be visible while doing it. And the team is winning. Uh, it, it can help out in that recruiting garden. And and certainly we've seen it like they, they've been able to go back in for, for defensive backs. They've been able to have some success with running backs down there, but I, I do think they want to expand that to where they can bring in some offensive linemen, where they can bring in a quarterback, where they can maybe get a wide receiver or two, because we've seen if you get a foothold in an area and then you have some success with it kids remember it maybe they don't necessarily right after the first year but the amount of people in st louis that are always going to talk about ezekiel elliott and ohio state or whatever it is 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 just going to be big and so i i just think that nebraska if they're able to turn this thing in the right direction and atlanta plays a part in it it's only going to help grow that area for them going forward that's a big big area to recruit in right now I mean that that shouldn't be lost on people
1: yeah I mean kids aren't gonna care to me anymore as much that oh Nebraska won national championships in the 90s before I was born as much as oh yeah they have a guy that I remember being a stud in this area who was like three years older than me and now he's a star on their team on Saturdays on TV in front of me like that to me is the biggest deal you know and and so uh, it would be, you're right though. It needs to at some point soon be attached with wins that puts you like in that, on that radar screen where people actually, kids like that actually are watching Nebraska cause they're playing in a big game. And then it's like, Oh yeah, that's miles farmer out of Georgia. That's Quentin Newsome out of Georgia, you know, and, and it's right in front of their eyes as opposed to having to search for it because Nebraska is sort of, um, not visible right now to people outside of our little bubble.
0: Yeah. That, uh, that's a good point as well. Um, I want to, I want to throw in a couple of recruiting things here. Sullivan Weidman or Weedman, I think it's, yeah, it might be Weedman, Offensive lineman from Massachusetts is on campus here this week. He got into Lincoln on Tuesday. I've reached out to him to see if I can set something up to talk to him about how the visit went. So hopefully I'll have an update on the site on that. Popeye Williams was supposed to be coming in this week, but has now scheduled an official visit for June 4th at Nebraska. That's important for a couple of reasons. One, he's not coming this weekend. So that's important. Two, June 4th is also the Friday night lights camp weekend. And so um, it does seem like Nebraska is starting to, to build some visits around some different things that they have going on in the month of June. Three, this is the first player that we have attached to a date. Uh, so I, I know that that's kind of been a thing that I've, I've reached out to a number of kids and they said that they've talked to Nebraska about June, but there hasn't been a specific date for them yet. And so look for, look for that, you know, they, they may really just try to, to bring in some of these key kids early in June and, and build it up for one big weekend. And so, um, while it has been slow, I, I continue to think that we're, we're inching closer and closer to getting out of it. And recruiting should look a little bit more normal. I wrote about this. And I don't know if you read it, Brian. Uh, but for Monday, it, just looking across the Big Ten West, Minnesota is the only school that has more than two commitments right now. Hmm. And uh, it's been slow in the in the Midwest, and specifically the Big Ten West, where, you know, your Iowas and your Wisconsin's would be much closer to being full uh, by the time June rolls around than they will be this year. So as Nebraska fans are disappointed. But at least in terms of the brethren and the company that they keep normally, uh, they're, they're right there with everybody else. And and teams are kind of dealing with the same things.
1: I have a question and it's sort of in the preliminary or the early stages of this, but today, of course, the big 10 announces that, you know, they're, they're, they're basically going to pass on more of the decisions about fan attendance to uh, the local outlets to sort of decide. And so baseball, softball, sports like that are gonna have fans in the stands now. But to the question of recruiting, May 1st spring game now uh, should have some fans in the stands. We don't know exactly how they're going to do it. Um, obviously, with the, the the recruiting dead deadness that there is through that month, it makes it maybe deletes the advantage Nebraska could get from it. But do you think, is there some way they can still use that game or that day or having 30, 40,000 people, how many ever they decide to allow in there to help them with recruiting or how can they work this out, you know, to still have it be some sort of uh, useful tool?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to say, right? Because the, the kids would have to get there. They're, they're not going to be on the field. They're not really going to be able to, to do a normal visit. Um, You know, you it would be easier if Nebraska had a couple commits and then you could kind of line it up as like a hey, come hang out with these guys kind of thing, like an unofficial, unofficial thing. But it's, I'm just, I'm really skeptical that, that, you know, scholarship level guys are going to show up and watch a spring game in which they don't get to meet with the coaching staff. Yep. And they don't get to go around and visit um and and you know see the facilities and that kind of thing other than they get to be in the stadium on game day like i just i have a tough time seeing that really playing out to being a big recruiting event
1: yeah i i'm with you i, I was just curious what you thought i mean i guess i i'm sure how they'll try to use it and they might as well as you know you, you even if the kids aren't here you show right. them like look we get we got 50,000 people that oh, are hungry that-
0: that's a big thing. Like, you know, if, if they're not able to be there, you can still show off the fact that as soon as fans are allowed to be in the stadium, Nebraska goes right back to being a place where you're going to be playing in front of a ton of people. And
1: yeah. that
0: does matter. And and one of the things that they have really hammered home with some of these recruits uh, in Georgia and Florida and Texas, because I, I see it a lot from, from the updates that come from the network. And when I talk with these kids, they're really selling the hell out of Nebraska's fan base and, I, I don't know if that's the spin-off of the fact that they've had these losing seasons and that, you know, they're still selling out games or, or what exactly it is, but it's hidden with some of these kids and and you're seeing them put it in their quotes or their explanation for why Nebraska is in their top five. And it's, I have a great relationship with so-and-so and, you know, everything I hear about the Nebraska fan seems like it's the kind of fan base you want to play for. They're always there. They're always cheering for you stuff like that. And so I, I, I do think, that would be another data point, another selling point for them. Even if kids aren't necessarily sitting there, uh, you know, eating the Valentinos or whatever in the East stadium balcony.
1: Do you have just to sort of finished off the recruiting is, is there one or two guys that right now are at the forefront of your thinking or you're watching closely? Um, I mean, do you sense anything's about to pop or is there anybody that you're really like, okay, I'm, I'm watching this one a little bit more than some others right now.
0: It's hard. Cause I just think a lot of these kids are like, well, why would I do anything before I can start taking official visits in June? Because you're now yep. back in that holding pattern. And so uh, it's worth noting, you know, James Mons III is going to have a, a top five coming out. I think Nebraska will be in that. Um, you know, it's, it's good that Nebraska is getting mentioned from guys like Rylan Gandy or um, Mumu Wahad, the defensive back out of, out of Georgia uh, in recent national updates. I mean, stuff like that is good, but when you haven't had success locally and your one commitment right now is Ernest Hausman, I, I just don't, you know, Gavin Myers, Jaron Knack, it doesn't seem like those guys are going to play. Uh, or not going to play. It doesn't seem like those guys are going to visit before the summer or likely to commit before the summer. Jared Batty in Illinois has his own games going on. It just, it feels like we're still a little bit away before the, it's going to pick up, but it's also one of those things where you keep waiting for something to happen, you keep waiting for the signal and then boom, there's a commitment, boom, there's another commitment, boom, you know, that's what happened last May, I mean, Branson Yeager, and it was actually April kicked it off with a commitment, and then you had Patrick Payton, then you had Heinrich Harburg, then you had Will Schweitzer, then you had, you know, so on and so forth. Now I understand only a few of those guys stuck with the class, but that's just kind of the way that it works. But I, I don't get the sense that we're we're looking at a bunch of commitments coming anytime soon.
1: I also have come to the realization, because I'm a little slow on the uptake, that um the COVID situation was has been harder, I think, on this class than like it's easy to think last class because Much harder they were, by
0: 2022. And it took yeah. me a while to figure that out too, until some of our national analysts were like, hey, look, I mean. At least the 2021 guys got to have visits as juniors. Yes, yeah.
1: So I mean, these you understand that some of these guys have never been on a campus, what? and um, why wouldn't you wait? I would if I if I knew I was going to have options in front of me. I would want to take my visits and all that, and not um yeah so the guys who signed last year they did at least go to camps a lot of them when they were juniors or whatever and they they saw places and they had that at least in their background of their mind so uh this is this is the toughest class i think connected to the covid thing and i think that's the way it's going to end up like it's going to be the toughest recruiting cycle of them all for for coaches and players alike
0: yeah but nothing you can do but go out and grind and, and figure out how to keep your game out there and, and build those relationships best you can. And Nebraska has been doing a ton of virtual visits and we'll see how that, if that pays off by the time we get to June, if those guys want to see the campus or if they feel like they're good. So, all right, uh, Brian, any closing thoughts here?
1: No, uh, good to hear. Mirrors of Viking. Um, so that's, that, that was that was some breaking news you delivered and that that's, that's useful. Um, so i Sue re-signed with Tampa Bay. So there's all sorts of free agent stuff. I know Bruns has covering it on our site. So that's, we're kind of filling in the blanks on a lot of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm happy to have a mayor back. I think he serves a nice role as like a third down running back. And uh, with Mike Boone off to Denver, there's uh, there's potential for more production for him.
1: There you go. That's all. That's all I have to say about, that I've used up all my, my thoughts on anything.
0: Yeah, I've used up all my thoughts as well. Probably only one podcast this week. We went uh, a little bit longer here. Um, we hope to have the full group back next week, and uh, we will uh, catch you then. We're going to have spring football, so we should have plenty to discuss when the Husker 24-7 podcast returns.